Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Palestinian authorities say the latest attacks launched by Israel has killed over 100 Palestinian civilians scrambling for food aid. Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned NATO against sending troops to Ukraine in his annual Federal Assembly address. Wildfires continue to rage across the northern part of the U.S. state of Texas. We begin with the Middle East. Gaza authorities say Israeli forces killed over 100 Palestinian civilians and wounded more than 700 others scrambling for humanitarian aid west of Gaza City. World leaders have condemned the attack on civilians, many of them on the brink of famine. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the incident requires an independent investigation. Hamas officials say the attack will hamper negotiations with Israel for a ceasefire. David Biller from the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem. Details were indeed murky the morning after this incident, but became clear over the day, particularly with the release of infrared video by Israel's military, as well as witness reports gathered by my colleagues at the Associated Press who are in Gaza. What they heard is that the Palestinians heard that an aid convoy was coming in, went out. They're just swarming the trucks, going after the the flour and canned goods that they need, given the starvation that's taking hold in the area. At a certain point, Israeli soldiers began firing. There were witnesses said that trucks were rolling over people, and Gaza's health ministry called this a massacre. There were more than 100 people killed, more than 700 wounded, and my colleagues went to the hospitals where many of those wounded were brought. They were laid out on the floor in the halls on every square patch of ground they could find. A doctor said that many of those shot had been shot in the chest and torso. And with this incident, the number of dead in Gaza since October has now surpassed 30,000. This incident really underscored the desperation in Gaza, and particularly in North Gaza, where food is in such short supply that people are relying on animal feed to survive, and even that has started running out. At one hospital, to their children dying of malnutrition and dehydration. The reason that the aid trucks haven't been reaching North Gaza is because the, those that do manage to get into Gaza are coming in through the south. This was, in fact, one of the first convoys to come into the north of Gaza in a month. With deliveries resuming Monday amid intense international pressure, Israel's prime minister's office said that it was investigating the incident and referenced dozens of people being mown down and killed by trucks, but didn't make a comment on reported shootings. The chief military spokesperson did acknowledge that soldiers shot, but said there were warning shots issued when the soldiers felt endangered and did not, and said they did not fire on the people. Now, after this happened, there was obviously condemnation from countries including Jordan, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, which issued statements calling on the international community to pressure Israel to allow for safe passage of aid and to reach an agreement for the declaration of an immediate ceasefire. Aid agencies have said that they cannot provide delivery, safe delivery of these convoys, with the continued hostilities and all the problems that they're seeing, the social chaos on the ground currently. That was David Biller reporting from Jerusalem. In Europe, Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned NATO against sending troops to Ukraine in his annual Federal Assembly address. He also outlined several initiatives to boost economic and social development in Russia. Dasha Chernyshova has more from Moscow. 
Address in both houses of Russian parliament, Vladimir Putin talked about domestic and international issues and accused the West of seeking to undermine Russia. Putin said the West wants what he called a dependent, dying Russia, which he said would not happen. And after French President Emmanuel Macron said he would not rule out NATO troops fighting in Ukraine, Putin made these warning to the West. They should understand that we also have weapons that can hit targets on their territory. What they are coming up with now, trying to scare the whole world, it does risk a conflict with nuclear weapons, which means the destruction of civilization. Do they understand this or what? President Putin also accused the West of sparking an arms race that could destroy Russia. He added that Russia must strengthen its Western military district after Finland and Sweden's NATO admission. But he claimed Russia is ready for talks with the United States on strategic stability, although he said that is not an easy task. The Russian leader said Moscow is beefing up its sovereignty starting on the front line with Ukraine. Putin talked about the new sophisticated weapons that Moscow is developing, stressing that Kinzhal and Zircon missile systems are already in use and that Russia holds the military advantage in Ukraine. Putin said Moscow would seek to produce arms in the most efficient way possible. The Russian president also talked about domestic affairs. Among the priorities, he said, was to increase the well-being in the country, especially among the families with over three children. He announced several national projects that would deal with family, youth and staff and talked about more support measures. Vladimir Putin's speech comes just weeks before the next presidential election. He is expected to secure another six-year term, which will be his fifth term in office. That was Dasha Chernyshova reporting from the Russian capital. Turning to North America, wildfires continue to rage across the northern part of the U.S. state of Texas. The blazes have scorched more than 400,000 hectares of land and have forced evacuations. At least one person is dead. The fires are only partially contained and one has spread to a neighboring state. Jim Spillman reports. Wildfires tearing across West Texas have merged into the largest in the state's history, leaving behind destroyed homes and displaced families. It's still emotional. This is our life. I mean, we've been here for 50 years and it's, it's, it's pretty tough. Fire crews are working around the clock, hoping to take advantage of improved weather before conditions deteriorate again as flames move quickly across vast stretches of land. The danger going forward will be the weather coming up again this weekend where we're going to see again humidities fall and winds pick up and making sure that we continue to bring enough resources into that area to minimize that fire growth and eliminate any future property loss. But the clusters of wildfires are only minimally contained and authorities expect them to grow. I believe this fire will grow before it uh, gets fully contained. Yes, sir, I do. Some residents who evacuated returned to scenes of total destruction. It was absolutely unreal and that the wind, I'm guessing they said 70 miles an hour, It seemed to remove the ash from the fire as it went, and we went through, I bet, 30 miles of what I can only describe as as a lunar landscape, just absolute barren desert. It's unclear what started the fire, but climate change, including excessive heat, has made extreme weather events like wildfires more common, more intense, and more damaging. 2024 began with the warmest January on record and February is also expected to break records. And when people begin to see these impacts in their daily lives that come from these record to near record warm temperatures, that's when those records become a little more real to them and they pay a closer attention to what's going on. 
Scientists say unless carbon emissions are reduced and climate change is reversed, we can expect to see more deadly weather events, including wildfires. That was Jim Spillman on the wildfires ravaging northern Texas. To Asia, in South Korea, the Thursday deadline has passed, and most striking doctors remain off work. Yonhap News Agency says police have launched a raid at the Korean Medical Association and an investigation on former and current officials suspected of violating the country's medical treatment act. Martin Loi has been closely monitoring the situation, and we ask him about the possible impacts of the latest police action and when the deadlock will come to an end. Police haven't given out too many direct details, but what we do know is that the police have visited their headquarters. Of the Korean Doctors Association, they have、uh, removed a number of electronic items, things like computers and phones. They say they're carrying out an investigation into a number of officials under the Medical Treatment Act, but they haven't really stipulated exactly what the supposed offences are meant to be. Now, the government here has taken a hard line over this junior doctors dispute.、Um, Ever since it began, around 10 days or so ago, there has been talk over the last couple of days、uh, of the police being brought in to this situation.、Uh, it's slightly unusual, even though this is technically an industrial dispute、uh, under South Korean law. If the government declares that the situation is grave, that gives them the authority to order. Doctors to return to work,、uh, and if they refuse to do so, which they so far have,、uh, then it becomes an offence.、Uh, this could end up with doctors being taken to court. Doctors initially would be disciplined under、uh, their medical contracts, and they could lose their licences to practise medicine. They could be suspended temporarily. In extreme circumstances, they can be、uh, removed from the doctors completely. But if it moves forward, They can also be taken before the courts. They can be fined money.、Uh, they can even be sent to prison. In extreme cases, they can be sent to prison for up to three years. Now, we don't know for an absolute fact that these two events are related: the police raid and the ongoing junior doctors' strike. But the timing seems incredible. If they aren't, this comes just hours after a deadline set by the government for doctors to go back to work. Expired.、Um, now, the Korean Doctors Association represents not just junior doctors who are involved in this、uh, protest, but it also represents all doctors in this country. About 140,000 in all, even though there's only 9,000 or so junior doctors who are taking part in the dispute. One thing it seems surely likely to do is. Raise the temperature,、uh, and and not in any way seems to be a conciliatory move. No, the deadlock、uh, continues at the moment. The the deadline set by the government for the doctors to go back to work、uh, without any penalties ran out at midnight, with basically no movement.、Uh, over the last couple of days, a trickle of doctors, less than 300, have returned to work, but the the vast majority of the 9,000 plus who began action are still、uh, staying away. From their posts now, the doctors、uh, have made comments.、Um, the doctors have said that a move by the government or a suggestion by the government that a meeting could take place between the two sides to try to move this situation forward. The doctors have dismissed that offer, saying they don't believe it's genuine. They don't believe that the government 
is willing to sit down and have meaningful talks. They say it's simply something, uh, a PR move for political, uh, for public consumption. It's certainly true that the uh, South Korean president said a day or so ago that this is not a matter for compromise. He gave some tough words. He said that the doctor's actions were putting patients' lives at risk and their campaign was hard to justify. So, yes, there's been a very firm line uh, throughout from the authorities here. Uh, doctors have spoken in the past and said they believe that they're trying to uh, take this action to improve the medical services here, but they say they're being treated like criminals threatened with police intervention. Certainly the temperature seems to be very high on both sides. Um, we're waiting to see what, what happens next. The next move, if the, if the government carries through with its threat, is that the doctor's licenses will be suspended. We don't think that's going to happen for a day or two, simply because today is a public holiday here and then we have uh, the weekend. But the government has said that they will begin uh, sending out suspension notices to doctors as early as Monday. That was Martin Lowy in Seoul. The ongoing standoff flared up after the government announced plans to boost medical school admissions by 2000 next year. It's part of an effort to alleviate the shortage of professionals and improve public access to medical services. But many doctors have expressed concerns that such drastic increases could compromise the quality of education and training. They also worry it could affect their income. Finally, to Africa. Leaders at the United Nations Environment Assembly in Kenya have called for a stronger joint action to address three major planetary crises, namely climate change, biodiversity loss, and pollution. Daniel Arapmoy has more about the push for multilateral cooperation to tackle the interlinked challenges. The impacts of climate change are becoming increasingly apparent. Rising global temperatures and extreme weather events like cyclone and severe floods are impacting communities. Kenyan President William Ruto says humanity must act now to avoid future disasters. Science is unequivocal that human activity are the primary catalyst for this phenomenon. Consequently, as humankind, we are faced with a critical decision to radically alter our course or persist on the current path endangering our very existence. The leaders say the need for urgent action has never been more pressing. Amidst the global crisis, leaders meeting in Nairobi committed to act and push for multilateral action to address the triple planetary crisis. The week-long discussions also centered on a future where clean air, thriving ecosystems and sustainable living can be achieved. What remains clear is that the adoption of the resolutions will be crucial in addressing the climate crisis. The United Nations is expected to play a key role in facilitating global cooperation. That was Daniel Arapmoy reporting. In Nigeria, at least 20 schoolchildren have died from an outbreak of meningitis in the northeastern state of Yobe. Authorities say there are over 200 reported cases there. Jack Mangut has the latest from Abuja. Officials in Yobe state say the majority of the students were from secondary boarding schools. The state ministry of health says over 200 cases of meningitis have been recorded in the state. The government says it is providing emergency treatment drugs and deployed a rapid response team to all affected areas in the state in order to contain the outbreak. 
earlier this year. Nigeria Center for Disease Control and Prevention put out a public health advisory on meningitis, warning that the dry season could increase the risk of infection, especially in crowded and poor ventilated spaces. Meningitis is an infection of the membrane around the brain and spinal cord. Nigeria reported over 1,500 suspected cases of meningitis, including 124 deaths between October 2022 and April 2023. According to the World Health Organization, which says vaccination is the most effective way of preventing meningitis, insecurity, particularly in the north, has affected vaccination coverage, especially in areas controlled by armed groups. Nigeria CDC says it is carrying out surveillance in high-risk states and is working in partnership with the WHO to get vaccines to those areas. That was Ajak Mangut reporting on the recent outbreak of meningitis in Nigeria. Recapping today's headlines. Palestinian authorities say the latest attacks launched by Israel has killed over 100 Palestinian civilians scrambling for food aid. Russian President Vladimir Putin has warned NATO against sending troops to Ukraine in his annual Federal Assembly address. Wildfires continue to rage across the northern part of the U.S. state of Texas. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.